Welcome to Rock is Reality. Get ready for unfiltered and unapologetic culture, entertainment, relationships, and a little bit of politics on Motor City Woman Radio. Follow Rock is Reality on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. In the meantime, let's go. Welcome, welcome as we continue History Month, or I should say Women's History Month, or Herstory Month, as a lot of us uh, like to say as well. Welcome to Justice Kyra Harris-Bolden. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, Just ecstatic to have her here. Uh, If you all don't know, if you haven't heard by now, she is the first African-American woman on the Michigan Supreme Court, and also the youngest at the... dear. I believe to be the youngest, yes. Believe to be the youngest. As of now, as we know, at the age of, is it okay if I reveal... It's public. (laughs) She's 34. So uh, she's also the 14th woman to serve on the Michigan Supreme Court. And just just history maker all, all around as far as also the only one who said who served on the state legislature. So you were someone who also um, is, was a trial lawyer as well. So you have been through every part of the uh, legal system, so to speak, from the top to the bottom, from making them, from the laws to making them. So welcome to you and just accolades, accolades. Also Michigan Chronicles woman of the year, um, yes. uh, just just several accolades and awards. So if we can just give her a hand right quick, just give her a hand right quick. <laughs> welcome, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us again, um, Justice Bolden. And by the way, Harris, I don't know if we you might be related to if by maiden name you're related to my husband's family. Might be, but my my married Might name be. is Harris. I I whenever someone has a Harris or a Bolden last name, I just say we're kin. <laughs> we probably are. We probably are. We more than likely we are. So welcome to the show. And I just want to let me start off by giving you your, fl- your flowers. Um, I've followed you for a while as because I'm a Southfield resident for about I'm born in Detroit, uh, raised in Detroit, but I've been a Southfield resident about mm, 11 years now. So I've always uh, followed your career, always voted for you, always saw that you were someone who was authentic, accessible, and just just about your business and about the people. And I just want to give you your flowers for, for because representation at, absolutely matters. And when I look at you, uh, that's all I saw when I first saw you. I was like, oh, my, me and my husband were like, look at this young lady, this young Black girl getting it. Like... So I just want to give you your flowers for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, I And I appreciate you saying that because I know some people think I popped out of obscurity. Uh, people want to know where I came from. And, you know, sometimes you just really quietly do the work. And I know in Southfield in particular and in my uh, former uh, house district, I know people, obviously people knew who I was um, because it was very important for me to knock on doors. I knocked on thousands of doors, held coffee hours, did town halls. Um, and that was really important. And it was a grind. So I appreciate you saying that as someone that I have represented, uh, because it has been really important work, uh, especially in the community. Absolutely. And, and that that's, um, and I guess God just kind of whispers to me at times because I, I knew at some point our paths would cross, 
and then also um, what intrigued me and moved me is when you were reading to the kids during the quarantine. Do you remember yeah, when you were doing I that? Do. I do. So I, would, I, would, I would do Facebook lives and recorded videos and send them to uh, the local school district so that uh, students could hear me read to them. Uh, so you, you have definitely done your homework. No, 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 but I've just followed you for a while. Like, yeah. and like, and so to get, and here's the thing, I'm kind of like stalkerish. That's like the research journalist in me, writer, Amazing. storyteller in me. Yes. Uh, I follow people for a while. And as I said, um, you, I was one of your constituents. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I, we voted for you. And during the quarantine, when you were reading the story, I was like, stories, I was like, she could just be relaxing at home, but she has taken the time to really, um, and for me, with me being a writer and an editor, uh, reading is for me, I don't care how much technology we have. It's just a fundamental thing. And that story time is just like, you can never, um, it's just certain things that, you know, again, no matter how much we advance, it, it, certain things we don't want to take away. So I, that really... Um, Again, I just really admired that. And I just want to reiterate to everyone that even though you, I don't want to say lost the election. I don't like saying that I, word. I did. I did not win. I don't like saying that, but you did. People made a mistake. They made a mistake. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm going to. By 2%. Um, by 2%. They, 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 were, they made a mistake. Uh, but no, she did lose the election. But it just shows that how remarkable you are that Governor Whitmer appointed you. I'm glad she could make that executive decision to say, you know what, even though the voters, that 2% didn't, you know, didn't sway in the way we thought they should, uh, I'm going to still appoint her. Yeah, you know, it was a, a roller coaster of emotions, obviously. Uh, I'm going through the whole, almost, well, half of my campaign pregnant. Um, having a baby on the campaign trail, of course, not literally, but we thought that that might happen because I was still doing events up until uh, I had the baby almost and being a new mom, still being a full time legislator and running a statewide campaign, going to the UP, going to West Michigan, going to all parts of Michigan uh, before and after pregnancy. Uh, it was it was difficult. And then to have the letdown of, wow, I worked so hard and I didn't when, but I knew that that was uh, going, well, I shouldn't say I knew that was going to happen. I, I knew that there was a, a, a very large likelihood that I would not win uh, when, when I decided to run because you had two incumbents, right? And if you look at your ballot, it says justice of the Supreme Court right underneath their names. Mm -hmm. So for me to earn 1.3 million votes and to be within 2% of second place, um, you know, as much disappointment as I felt in myself, I really, almost in a split second, I just had so much happiness because there were so many people, 1.3 million people that looked at that ballot and bubbled in Kyra Harris Bolden. Mm -hmm. And so I was immediately uplifted just by that. Uh, but then obviously the appointment happened. So uh, it was it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions, but a very uh, it was it was a it was a great time. I love it. I, I and that's and that's what just astounded me by that. So congrats again on that. Uh, and I just want to ask um, if if we can get into a little bit some of the stuff that came after it with with um, Justice Richard Bernstein. Uh, are you all how how are you all moving forward from that? Because he pretty much 
you know, um, undermined in a sense your decision making as far as to hire Peter Martell. So what are your thoughts on that now that he he retracted, he apologized? How do you all move forward from that? So I will say anybody that decides to run for statewide office, and at the time I had a five-month-old, uh, you really have to have a focus. My focus has always been on the job. And if it's not about the job, then I don't have time for it, whatever that is. Um, but one thing about me, and you, you, know, you know me as, um, as I serve in legislature, I will always uplift marginalized communities um, to positions of power, to places that they never thought that they may be able to be. Um, and if it's not about the work, if it's not about helping Michiganders and making good decisions, uh, then I, I don't have space in my life <laughs> for it. Um, I accept criticism and love all uh, that are rooting for me, but may disagree with some decisions I make. And, and that's going to happen. This is the nature of the game, being in this position. I'm going to make decisions. Not everybody is going to agree with it. But what I think is important is to always center justice, always center the work first and foremost. And look, I, I have no issue working with anyone. I think I've proven that working in the legislature, getting five bills passed into law, um, where that's the, the lion's den of, of discourse. So I'm no stranger to discourse. I'm no stranger to people disagreeing with me. It's all a part of the job. Okay. I guess because I thought we, uh, the public from a public standpoint, we felt like you all had a camaraderie and that he supported you. So, and just as a black woman, I just felt like, you know what, he wouldn't have tried that if she was a white woman. I just, I had that, that thought as well. So, and I know you, of course, have to um, take that diplomatic stance. Um, and, and of course, like you said, you can't get distracted. You really can't uh, get distracted by that because you have so much There's to do much. now that you're there. Work. Now that you're there, right? Yeah. You've got so much to do. You've got so much work to I do. I mean, I mean, really and truly, and I I really appreciate uh, the support. I feel very supported and loved. Um, I'm I'm doing what the people uh, and the governor put me there to do is to interpret laws and a job. Um, because it, it is a lot and our decisions are extremely impactful. Um, and again, I have a six month old at home. And so it, it has to be uh, about the work um, always because that affects so many people. The decisions that we make, uh, not only are they impactful, but they're the last resort for some people. And so I take that with me every single day. Um, and so whether it's one thing or another, I can't allow myself to get distracted because that might mean that someone does not see justice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to, you have to keep a clear mind. You have to keep, try to remain as unbiased as possible. So I do. So what are, so what are some things um, that you look forward to tackling? What are some of those issues that you look, I know you've done a lot with um, wrongful imprisonment legislation, uh, reproductive rights. What are, what are some things that you are looking forward to arguing, so to speak, or, or giving your decision on? 
Yeah, well, I will say that as a member of the Supreme Court, I'm on a couple of different uh, commissions. And I'll probably be joining more because that's just how I am. But I'm officially a part of uh, the specialty courts. So your drug treatment courts, your mental health courts, um, I'm a liaison to that committee, which I think is extremely important because we know that statistically, you cannot imprison people enough to um, to have them turn their life around drug addiction or to mental health issues. So those courts, veterans courts, are so important uh, to people to keep them out of the system and to get them the help that they need and deserve. Um, I am also a part of the uh, child welfare uh, commission on the Supreme Court. Oh, I'm Court sorry. Where, and they oh, make sure that, oh, I'm sorry. I, you're kind of you're kind of lagging some, um, Justice Bolden. Can you repeat what you that last ten seconds, please? I'm sorry. Sure, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm on the child welfare uh, commission, which helps to ensure justice in our foster care system and great legal representation for individuals. Um, I'm also unofficially a part of the DEI commission. Uh, that's something that I um, am very passionate about is seeing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in our uh, justice system. And so those are three initiatives that I've taken on as a member of the Michigan Supreme Court. There might be a fourth, uh, but I'm trying not to spread myself too thin. Uh, in, in those areas, but um, I have my hands full, certainly, in improving our court processes, making sure that people have legal representation, um, and, and just, uh, obviously, procedures uh, of the lower courts. I love to hear that because as a social worker by trade, uh, I've worked with a lot of at-risk and disadvantaged families, and those th three things you named off, child welfare, mental health, um, and diversity, inclusion, equity, and inclusion are things that affect people of color and marginalized communities a lot. So I'm glad to know uh, that you as someone from a uh, marginalized community, so to speak, as being a black woman, uh, even though you've reached these high heights, it's still a lot of um, just, a, a, you know, just a lot of obstacles to overcome. I'm glad to know that you are on those committees. So let's shift a little bit and talk about how you got to this space. Uh, a lot of us have heard the story, and if they haven't, about your great-grandfather, rest in peace to him. Uh, he's he's an ancestor who has definitely paved the way, uh, pretty much hearing the story about how he was pretty much murdered. Um, and how old were, tell that story and First tell, how old were you when you found that out? Because I remember being 10 and 12 years old and hearing stories. And then it does jog things in you to be like, this is what I need to grow up and strive towards because my ancestors went through this. Yeah, so I was in my later part of college. Uh, so junior, senior year. Again, I, I had my great grandmother with me all those years and it, it was so wonderful and impactful to have her. But we know when people get up in age, um, they start sharing a lot of things, sharing recipes and family secrets and things like that. So um, my, my great grandmother shared with me that my great grandfather was lynched in Tennessee in 1939 after asking a store owner for a receipt. 
and he was beaten and castrated and thrown into the local river. And the coroner deemed it an accidental drowning. And his mur murderers walked free as a result. And so in hearing that story, um, and, there, um, and I should say there is a documentary about this called Accidental Drowning as well, uh, for those that are interested in this, uh, in this particular story. Um, but, you know, I had no idea. And I think a lot of us have no idea um, that a lynching murder um, has occurred in their family. But we have to think about the generational trauma. We have to think about uh, the loss of... Um, you know, economic partnership, right? That meant that my grandmother grew up without a father. And, and so overcoming that um, has been really a, a, just, a, just a testament to the resilience of, of Black people. But um, I was compelled, and it wasn't a, a direct shift, I will say, but I was compelled to go into the legal system, but because it happened so late in my college career, I actually had to take a year off in between uh, college and law school uh, because I had not planned on taking the LSAT. I had not planned on being an attorney. I was getting my psychology degree in, in English, which I did get because I was so late in my college career. I, I didn't want to switch and do pre-law. So um, I, I actually took a year off to take the LSAT make sure that it was something that was in alignment with, uh, you know, with what I should be doing. And so then I ended up going to the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law uh, because I just wanted other families to see justice in a way that my family had not. And to go from uh, injustice to in to justice, as you said, to go from the injustice yeah. of your grandfather to justice that you're serving. Yeah. And I just wanted to help. I just wanted to help people uh, see justice and just try to improve the system in some sort of way. It wasn't, I had grand plans of being on the Michigan Supreme Court or being a lawmaker for that matter. I just went to law school hoping I could help someone. And um, I'd like to think that I've helped people along the way. I love that. So how do you, um, how do you think that, your varied experience. You've been a trial lawyer. You've been in state legislature. How do you feel that, what uh, uniqueness does that bring with you to this? So I really have seen almost all aspects of the law in its different capacities, um, which, which I think is unique, but I think um, it's part of you know, the, the wonderful structure of our court that has seven individuals with unique backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives, and that's how it should be. Uh, but I was a criminal defense attorney. Um, I was a judicial law clerk. So I was doing the research and the writing and, uh, you know, talking with my judge about uh, how to rule on cases. And then I became a civil litigator. Um, and then I've made laws. So I've done criminal, I've done civil, um, and I've actually made laws. And why that's important is because I would say one of the biggest questions we get, and I have seen in my two months uh, of working and uh, serving on the Supreme Court is uh, legislative and statutory interpretation. The amount of times that people have asked what has the legislature intended by the statute as, as um, a question of how we need to interpret the law 
and the looks I get <laughs> as a former lawmaker, it matters. It matters um, because I have an eye into the thought process that it took to make that law. And so therefore, I believe that my perspective as someone that has made the law is important to interpreting said laws. Absolutely. Because you understand the dynamics and the mechanics that come with it, Absolutely. as opposed to someone who's right. And I always, I always say experience is the best teacher. Like you can say what what you can receive research something but until you live through it um so that that definitely i believe gives you an edge and i love it's just so many different i can see why um again why governor whitmer was like look this is the best choice so what is that pressure like because you were you replaced justice bridget mccormick and you helped with her campaign 10 years ago is that like a is that like a full circle moment for you? It's like because I believe there's nothing coincidence. Like the older I get, like I don't believe in coincidence that things just magically happen. I believe like things align and happen so, for a certain reason. So what is that like when you realize like I'm going to be replacing the lady that I whose campaign I worked on ten years ago? You know, it it was surreal, and I will say, and when I worked on Justice McCormick's campaign. Uh, she is what you, you what you what you see is what you get. Just a kind, warm, thoughtful human being. And so, um, someone from her team called me and asked me to work on her campaign. I volunteered uh, through most of the cycle. She was running with Justice, I mean, with Judge Sheila Johnson at the time, who's Chief Judge of Forty Six District Court of Southfield. And so, I was really working for both of them and uh, myself and Judge. Johnson became very close friends. She officiated my wedding, actually. <laughs> and, wow. and um, but uh, myself and Justice McCormick, uh, you know, obviously stayed in touch. And it when when we knew that that was the that I was going to be um, selected for the appointment, it was definitely a full circle moment. And she wrote me in my official uh, ceremony and. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just really surreal. <laughs> really, I have really big shoes to fill because she was a wonderful jurist and she is, I mean, she, she's moved on, but, um, you know, she's, she's a great friend, great jurist and just a great person. I love that. I love that. So let's shift a little bit and talk about Kyra, the mom, the wife, uh, daughter, uh, AKA uh, Wolverine Bar Association member. Like, talk about those different aspects. Um, you said something, and I was like, oh my gosh, a, a this is where we um, understand each other as a mother and a wife. There is no such thing as work life balance. Like, I need people to stop saying that term. <laughs> Take those two words, those three words, because it's no such thing. It's like you do the best you can for me. You do yeah. the best you can in certain areas. And some days you're batting a thousand. Some days you, you're not doing as well in certain areas. And so that's why, um, and I have to give a moment, shout out to our husbands who are supportive because they know dealing with us as career women um, and, you know, just uh, I was listening to how your husband took a paternity leave and just, it really is a team effort. So, uh, talk about that, be, being a mom in all these different aspects. Like, how do you shift from one to the next? 
Well, I would say that it is not ideal to run a statewide race while having a full-time job in the legislature <laughs> and to be growing a human inside of you. Uh, so I would be the first one to say, you, you know, just think about it. And, um, and then even after having my baby, you know, the nominating convention was six days after that. So, so zero, zero stars do not recommend, right? Zero stars, doing all of this. Do zero not recommend. Stars do not recommend. Um, <laughs> and so I was essentially back on, on the, uh, the campaign trail six days after I gave birth. Um, and you didn't have complications. My gosh. I know. Oh my I know. Gosh. I know. Well, well, that's a different story for a different okay, day. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Cause I'm sure you sucked it up and was like, okay. Yeah. Cause as a mom, you're right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah delivery was, I was, Ooh. I was in dire straits. I, okay. I, wow. But, wow. Uh, but by the grace of God, everything went, went well. And, um, yeah, I, I, I will say that even with having all the having extra, I would say, um, my daughter has been my greatest motivation uh, through all of this. And every day I would place my hands on my belly when she was an inside baby and, you know, just say, we're doing it. We're doing it today. We got, we were giving it 100%. It was a team effort. Uh, I really felt like I had a teammate. Um, and so we just ran together, but you know, now she's, she's six months, she's very chatty and, um, you know, I'm focusing on work and when I get home, I am mommy and my, my baby is screaming. I hope you can't hear her, but she, I'm squealing, not screaming. She's squealing, uh, cause she's very chatty. Uh, but there is no work-life balance. I, I don't, or if there is, I have not found it. Um, I am just doing my best like everybody else. Some days, again, there are days where I can spend the whole day with my daughter. Uh, and there are days where I can only put her to bed because I have worked from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. or whatever. Um, I work on weekends a lot too. Uh, so, you know, it, there's no balance. But what I will say is I'm committed to struggling the least amount possible. <laughs> right, the least <laughs> amount possible. Listen, that. right, and that's what I was going to ask. What does a typical, is it typical? I don't even know. Like terms like typical, normal, I try to stay away from those because it's yeah. like it's all relative. What does a typical day look like for you? You know, there really is no typical day. <laughs> this I was going to say, this, is, it, is there a typical day for you? I, I will say usually in a day, um, I am reviewing cases in some sort of capacity. Um, I usually have some sort of event or meeting uh, outside of work um, almost every day. And on weekends, it's usually about two to three. Last Sunday, it was like four. But um, my my weekends have been pretty. But, you know, last Feb in February, was it was really crazy because it was Black History Month. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's usually um, obviously reviewing cases, taking meetings. But then I try to, like today, I visited Go Lightly. Um, Detroit Aerospace School and spoke to the to the students about my career. Um, I, I visit local elementary schools and 
uh, things like that. And I also do interviews like this. So, um, so I usually do some form of that every day. Um, and speak and um, now, because I went to go lightly. Did you go to the um, elementary school or the Voltec? I the, the, the tech. I think okay. uh, yes. off Jefferson. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Because I was about to say, oh my my alma mater. I went to go lightly to the elementary school off Saint Antoine. So, but I'm glad to know the Voltec is still open. So, speaking of Black History Month, that mural that they did of you at Dawson Elementary, I. I like had tears looking at it myself. Like I was so moved and to do the black history project. Just again, what does that mean? What does that feel like when someone says, Justice Bolden, we did this mural of you to see your likeness, to see a little girl doing a project about you. And it's just like, you're technically in their eyes getting, just getting started. Like, you know, it is really overwhelming to me. Uh, I understand what this means, but when kids are screaming because they see me, um, or even a, a, I've had a grown women just collapse in my arms and start crying. Oh, wow. um, you know, I did okay. visit the, the young lady that uh, did the Black History Month project of me. And there are a couple others. Um, I don't, put all of them on my social media because I'm very protective of children on social media. Uh, but it is just a wonderful feeling um, because what I know that through my representation, they now know that they can aspire to be on the highest court in the state of Michigan. And they're excited about it, uh, which is really a beautiful, beautiful feeling. But yeah, I cried. I completely lost it at the. Uh, I bet you did. I, I was crying that. too. Like I, you're not crying. I'm crying. You're, I'm just. I was just so emotional for you. Like that is outstanding. Yes, and what was so interesting was, I knew it was a mural. I I did not realize how big it was going to be and how beautiful it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of over a locker, which I mean, which it would have been either way, it would have been wonderful, but they really put me in the light yeah. of the, the mural next to it was Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. There were other murals of, you know, the, um, the Williams sisters and different, just different people. And so that wasn't necessarily all the way captured. So when I saw myself and students looking up and being so excited and then seeing myself amongst all these other people that the students look up to, it was really a moment. I love that. I love that because I was so excited. And I and that was the moment. Was that a back, is that back like December? I want to say it was back around November, December. And that was the moment I was like, I've got to have her on the show. Like, oh. I've got to have her on Rocky's Reality. I've got to have her on. So speaking of Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, um, who another one, kudos to her, flowers to her. I believe in giving people their flowers while they are here. If you could have brunch with her, what are some questions you would ask her? You know, as much as I say there's no work-life balance, I would literally ask her, what do you do? <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to ask, not the balance, but what do you do to commit to struggling the least amount possible? That Those are the words that I use uh, because really we're all struggling. You just right. try to decrease your struggle as right. much as possible. <laughs> um, right. I would ask her how she, how she does that. 
Um, I would ask her about uh, if I if I could, how does she get to a place and accept, um, you know, basically people calling her unqualified or even mm. um, making it seem like she's unqualified? Um, just how she she deals with the outside um, opinions. Probably those two would be at the top of my list. Mm. So now that you are dealing with that to a to an extent, how how do you deal with that, Justice Bolden? How do you? So of course it's it's an ongoing thing, right? All of us. I think all of us. Even I think even Beyonce probably sometimes is like, well, yes. how do these people talk this mess about me? Like, but we know even Jesus was persecuted, right? But it's still. Uh, cause like you said, it's, um, it's great, but it's also upsetting and better, bittersweet that you are the first black woman on the Supreme court. Like I've, and I've said the same thing, like, why is it in 2023, we are still having firsts as black women at yeah. certain times. Yeah. So I, as much as I love the way that, that students and kids look at me and even adults that have been struggling to see this for a very long time, it's still bittersweet because in 2023, I think it's pretty unacceptable to still be having first, but here we are. Mm -hmm. And, and, and this is just one thing that uh, it just shows the progress we've made, but just also shows how much further we have to go. And I really, I, I it was, before I decided to run for the Supreme Court, um, I had to have a resolve in myself. Um, and, and I knew that I was uh, the most qualified person. I knew that I would be great on the Supreme Court. So there's always going to be people that have differing opinions, um, which I'm no stranger to. Again, being in the House of Representatives, you're you have to deal with over 100 opinions in order to get hmm. your bill passed. Hmm. <laughs> so, right. Um, but like I said, I accept criticism and love. I think it makes you a better person. Uh, but I have a very low capacity for negativity. Um, I, I just don't have uh, the, the, the time uh, to, to dwell on it. If it's mm -hmm. not about my daughter or the work, my family, my friends, um, I, I, we just have to move on. But everybody has different mechanisms. Um, of dealing with that. For me, I kind of woke up and I just kind of turned it off, the off switch. It was just, I, I just don't have the capacity for it. Um, other people may just not look at the comments. Other people, uh, you know, have different coping mechanisms for um, all the opinions that may come their way. So, um, so I just, uh, I'm, I'm in the job and I'm doing it well and I'm very resolved of, of where I am. <laughs> And you just have to keep telling yourself, I am, you have to have that positive self-talk and affirmation to say, I know I'm doing the best I can at this moment. So has there ever been a time where your position changed on something? Because they are, the pundits are great for going back 50, 11 years ago to when you voted on a certain issue. It amazes me how they'd be like, they'll go back and be like, oh, back in 94, she voted yes on this or that. So, because as politicians you all are people as well and different experiences happen so is it a time where your position changed on something you voted one way and then you're like mm, I've, I've had some more experiences I've learned some more information and now my position has changed on this how, how did you handle that 
Yeah, so not in this job um, that hasn't happened because we are simply interpreting the law. We are not creating it. We are not making it. We are uh, trying to understand what the intent of the law is. So I get to take myself and my personal beliefs out of it um, and just say, what did the legislature intend? Um, and it may... Um, um, and, 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 and it may not have, sometimes it may not have the outcome that I might personally want, but you have to make sure that you, um, are interpreting the law and that, that is our charge as a judge or a justice. Um, but, but so no, that hasn't happened in uh, this capacity. But what I do like is before we vote, usually we have pretty robust discussions about uh, the cases. And so um, I wouldn't say that my position um, has changed, but I do listen um, to a great degree the perspectives of the other justices, because I think it's important to understand uh, where other people may be coming from, um, what how their perspectives differ from yours or how they might be alike. They might be alike in different ways. And so I'm always um, I, I'm always very fond of very robust discussion about the law and how people see it. Um, so, yeah, I love the way you say robust, because I know sometimes they got to get on your nerves. Like you do you want me like, you know what? I, listen, Justice, Justin Kavanaugh, Justice Welch, uh, I'm, you know, Justice Clement, I, you know, I'm so um you know what it really it really doesn't it might it might irritate somebody but for me again i think my experience and my experiences in the legislature really prepared me uh for uh to, to handle robust discussion mm, because okay. in the legislature mm. you have to have over 100 people plus the governor think your idea is good right Ooh, yeah that's, so there's that's a lot of work there's a lot of conversations you have to have, meetings with people, buy-in from people. But for me in this position, I like to listen to different perspectives. But at the end of the day, um, my vote is my vote. And my my vote is not contingent upon anybody else. Uh, but I still like to hear because I want to make sure that everything is reviewed and contemplated before I make my ultimate decision. It helps me be a better jurist but the but the discussion about it to me i think that is a great thing we should have spirited discussions because people's lives are on the line how yes. standards govern themselves are things that we have to deal with so i actually enjoy it other people might be irritated but i <laughs> I, I, I'm ready. You like I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I get it because I'm I'm that person too. Like, listen, let's get to it. But uh, it's it's it just are at um like when we're talking about reproductive rights and gun laws, um, and as a mother, it's just like how has that shifted things for you as a mother? Because you're looking through things through a different lens now. You're you're you were wife before you were daughter before but now you're a mother and does that as we know as mothers that does tend to like shift how we see the world i think it's shifted how i see the world and i think it's important to have empathy and compassion um i think that it's important for 
um, for example, as more women are, are of childbearing age and in the workforce, what does that mean for our, our, for our time? Um, and making sure that women, particularly women judges, feel supported um, and, and families feel supported while having this job, while doing this very important job. Um, but, you know, my job is to interpret the law. So if the legislature says that this is this is how it's going to be and it's clear, then that's how it has to be. Um, but obviously, we know that the legislature can't contemplate everything. There are gaps, there's ambiguities, and that's where uh, we come in. Um, and I think, again, one of the most important things is empathy, compassion, reviewing each case for its uniqueness uh, and on an individual basis. Um, and you bring your lived experience as a mother, as a a person from a marginalized community as a young person to the table, but ultimately you're trying to interpret uh, what the legislature intended. Okay. But, but as a mother, yeah. Is it, do, do you find yourself saying, okay, I've got to switch from the subjective to the objective part of me to not look at this as a mama bear, but to look at this as a justice, as a, as a Supreme court justice. You know, I will say, um, I, I think in certain cases, because we deal with, um, you know, termination of parental rights issues, right? Yeah. You know? So I think for me, having a lens as a mother is helpful, again, for compassion and empathy um, and, and for people that are in, you know, really tough situations. Right, yeah. Um, but I think about motherhood as something I bring to the table with me, not something I leave when I walk into mm. uh, the courtroom or into our chambers. I love that. Okay. So you have the option to serve a partial term or to go for reelection in November, 2024. So have you decided yet if you're going to do that? I will be wherever Michiganders <laughs> want me to be. <laughs> So, because it's because how do you are you because that's this is that's about a year away, and mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, when we talk about election seasons, you all start like a whole like six or seven months ahead of time. So that's why I'm like, are, are you preparing again for that? I mean, later on this fall to start, or I don't know when you have to start that process or what. So it's interesting for judicial candidates uh, for for justice judges and justices seeking re-election. So for for me, you can only start during a certain time period. Mm. Um, there, what we are under very different. Um, um, we are under very different circumstances and restrictions than other people that run for office. Uh, so for me, I wouldn't be able to start until February mm. um, okay. of, of of next year. Um, but I'm focused on doing this job the best that I can, showing up um, all over Michigan for students and for people that want and need to see me. So um, I will be wherever Michiganders want me to be. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because you, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, you, I will be voting for you again. So if you on the ballot, just by the, just, just so you know. So I wanted to ask. I saw something about uh, legislation. Um, that was introduced this week that would ban judges from handing out automatic life sentences to anyone age 18 and younger 
Uh, instead, they would face a maximum of 60 years behind bars. Behind bars, They would have the possibility of parole after 10 years. And as someone who's a, um, a, I'll always be a social worker, but I'm no longer in the field, but it always bothered me when there would be um, youth committing crimes and getting these exorbitant, exorbitant sentences. So what are your thoughts on that, on that legislation? Yeah, so it will work its way uh, through. And as a, a as a judge or justice, if we have any cases that come to the Supreme Court, I will look at it through a, a non-biased lens and just try to help interpret to the to the best of my ability. But you know, in that circumstance, is what the people want, what the legislature um, does to uh, enact that law. And I'm in my former career as a uh, as a legislator, I worked on uh, issues um, such as that. I, I worked on criminal justice reform and protecting survivors of sexual assault and violence. So uh, we will uh, see what the legislature does and we'll see what cases may come out of that. Okay. Because I just, because I, 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 I do feel like as far as with their brain development, it's like you make a mistake when you're 18, 19, and then you have to spend the rest of your life in prison. So I, I, I guess it would just have to be on a case by case basis, but it's just really tragic that when we're young like that, we're still, you know, making stupid decisions. We're making impulsive decisions at that age. So it just would, um, I hope that a lot of these cases that come through, there could be some alternate sentences uh, given besides just life, depending, and of course, depending on the crime as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when we're talking about what justice looks like, I think we have we have so much more information, um, data, and science that can help us uh, make better laws or help the legislature make better laws and give us better guidance on how we want to move forward as a society. Like uh, like again, you know, with drug treatment courts and mental health courts and veterans courts, trying to keep people out of the system as much as possible, especially when. Uh, they're dealing with an addiction, which is a, obviously a, a, a brain disease, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health issues. Right. We have to take these things into consideration um, in our justice system in order to have a just society. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what um, I wanted to shift a little bit and again, come back to um, how do you how do you uh, balance being a woman in a position of power and you're married? Like, how does that how does that work? You being the boss at work and then you coming home. Like, how do you and hubby complement each other as far as that? Yeah, well, I will say even uh, when I ran for state representative, he worked on my campaign. He was my field director. He was telling me to go knock some more doors. <laughs> so I would, I would get home and. I was skin and bones and I just wanted something to drink or I was hungry. And he say, you know, go knock some more doors. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he would give me a list and send me back outside. So um, a lot of, and a lot of people don't <laughs> know that. Um, but with this, you know, it's always a conversation. It was in our household. If I'm going to run for office um, and I would have always respected uh, my husband's decision if he said, I don't think this is, is a good idea. Honestly, I thought when I was pregnant and I talked about running for Supreme Court, I definitely thought he was going to say no. Um, <laughs> but, but he was he just said, OK, uh, if that's what you want to do. 
And, um, but no, I was very, very thankful that he had two months of paid paternity leave. So he was with our daughter the majority of, of the time when I had to go back um, on the campaign trail. And then he had two months of half days after that. And they were very accommodating. So it was extremely, extremely helpful. Um, but yeah, when I, I would um, go to maybe five events in a day, if I came home in the afternoon, I was changing diapers and feeding my baby and doing all the things and going to my next event. Sometimes I would take her with me and um, I, I do bedtime um, and I'm, I've always been on night duty since she was born. So I've been I've <laughs> getting up in the middle of the night, feeding her, changing her. Um, and so Are you still breastfeeding? So I did not breastfeed. I okay. didn't breastfeed. It was not a, a it would not have been a good decision yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, with everything. And you're still a mom. You are still an awesome mom. Oh yeah. No, right. I mean, there's so me, much debate about that. It's still we know breast is best and all that, but you're still a mom. Well, you, you know, do, yes. not, not everybody can breastfeed, but for right. me, um, it just wasn't uh, the best decision right. um, given given my circumstances. So right. um, so she, you know, but for me, it was it was fine. We can just take her anywhere. And, you know, they have ready fees these days. Just okay. take her with you. And <laughs> I love that how she was there with you at your when you got sworn in. That yes. was just so precious to me seeing her there that is just awesome how one day she'll be able to look back and see herself there with you yes yes. like I I I, I just absolutely love that so let's let's end with some quick questions I and I appreciate your time again um Justice Bolden and I look forward to um welcoming you back and again um and hopefully meeting you in person yes um one of these days uh and oh my gosh that just reminded me i wanted to shout out alexandria hughes who connected yes. us yeah shout out to her um yes. and nicholas buckingham as well he's with michigan liberation yes. uh i want to shout them out because i posted on facebook i was like can someone connect me with no. justice Bowden? and and he tagged alexandria <laughs> and alexandria and i jumped on the phone uh but also i want to shout out uh, uh former state rep leslie love because she also yes. um was helping me yes. connect with you because uh, i i actually came and spent the day with her up at the Capitol. And it was quite, like you said, being there in, that was quite an experience. Uh, it was a lot going on. Um, it, it really is the lion's <laughs> den. And so anything that happens in, in, in this capacity, I just, you know, I, right. I just think about. <laughs> You've already got your cherry bus. You've already like, you're good. Like I'm not, I'm not, that's why you were like, I'm not even worried about none of this. Cause you, you've already built your, built your metal. I, I get it. I got, I love that. So let's finish. I want to finish uh, with something fun. Cause I saw you're a foodie, <laughs> which I'm a foodie as well. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask, what is your favorite food to cook? And what is your favorite <laughs> food to eat? Uh, well, I will be the first one to say I do not like to cook. It is just not my thing. I can cook. <laughs> Let me be very clear. I yeah. make macaroni and cheese on okay. Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. Okay. And my grandmother is still with us, and she has bestowed that honor upon me. So I just want to be She clear. passed it on to you. Okay. Does she, I, she approved? Okay. She approved. Okay. Okay. So I just want to be very clear. I can cook. 
it's it's just not my thing. Right. Um, but I I love a good uh I love a good pasta. Uh, pasta mm-hmm. is my my thing. Any type, uh, tortellini, spaghetti, fettuccine. Mm. Give me the pasta. <laughs> I love it. So you like bubble gum from a, a fried shrimp, baked shrimp, all type of pasta, right? Yes. I well, I would say my favorite thing to cook would be macaroni and cheese. I actually really enjoy that because I cook it. When I do cook it, it's for my family. But I also really enjoy making uh, shrimp and grits. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, there are certain things where I feel like if you're going to do it, you have to do it right yeah. and perfect the recipe. So those are two things that I... Is that those Southern Roots? Is that that Jesse Bond yes, Southern Roots? Because yes. my granddaddy was from Nashville. So we, you know, we got some Southern Roots. A lot of us from the Detroit area had a, the, yes, some Southern yes. Roots. So um, they're from Tennessee. My great-grandmother from, was from Tennessee before they migrated um, to, to Detroit. And she would make chicken and dumplings. Mm-hmm. She would make everything from scratch. It was wonderful. And she would babysit. Um, for all the neighborhood kids, we all called her Granny. Even people that weren't related to her, she was just known as Granny, and she would cook um, uh, lunch for us every day, and it was it was wonderful. So I learned a thing or two. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So what if if someone? Um because I can't wait to see the film and I don't know where they're at or if it came out. I know um, Regina King did a biopic on um, Shirley Chisholm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that came out yet or if it's coming out or where is it at in production. But if someone played you in a movie, a film about your life, who would you pick? I don't know. I have not. (laughs) My my engineer Joe says Regina King could play you too. (laughs) She looks like Regina King. Okay. I love Regina King, by the way. <laughs> I love her very much. Um, I don't know. The yeah, only- like pick who would play you, who would play your husband as well. Whew. Okay, that's <laughs> difficult. We uh, can put, we can put, no, no offense to hubby. We can, these are just, this is just hypothetical. Well, I will always pick Michael B. Jordan as far as a young <laughs> black man. Okay. So, my husband looks nothing like Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan looks nothing like my husband. But if you're asking, that is who I would have play him. Um, I, 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 who would play me? I don't know. I, um, I love. Um, I don't know. I would say the first person that comes to my mind because I just met her is Coco Jones, who mm. played yeah, on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Um, I just love her spirit and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Gabrielle Union. Yeah, I always have. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Those think. are some good ones. Coco Jones, Gabrielle I- Union. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. So I meant I should have asked you this earlier, but right quick, who were some? Uh, were there some female or women politicians that you looked up looked up to as you were? coming up yeah absolutely i would say uh congresswoman brenda lawrence had a substantial Mm -hmm. effect on me seeing her as the first not only black woman but black person and woman to be the mayor of the city of southfield where i grew up it just gave me i mean i thought she was a rock star when i was in high school i was i would fangirl over congresswoman brenda lawrence and it was just another very full circle moment where 
she was the first person to ask me to run for Michigan Supreme Court. Uh, I had no, I had, I had no plans to run for the Michigan Supreme Court. She invited me to her home in Southfield. She didn't tell me what the meeting was about. I thought I was going to be scolded because I'm, I'm her representative. She lives in Southfield. And I thought she was going to say, you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you, you voted this way or something. And so we're, we're having um, tea and crumpets. It's like a Sunday. And I, I'm just looking at her just thinking, why am I here? <laughs> she's getting your she's belly like, full first. I'm just in there. So she finally said, have you considered running for Michigan Supreme Court? And I said, maybe 20 years from now. And she said, no, next year. Oh, you said 20 years. She I don't said, know. No, I need you. She no. She's like, no, I need you to get on this now. Right. We need well, you now. You know, there's nobody, again, I'm believed to be the youngest person. So for me, it wasn't even something that was on my personal radar as, right. as a goal. Um, and I still had a third term left in the legislature. So right. that was my plan to complete my terms. And I told her no. And I know that she was upset with me by the time I lost. <laughs> By the time I left, um, but be, but behind that, she didn't know. But I had planned on getting pregnant, and mm. I've I've been very vocal. I've suffered from uterine fibroids. Mm. Um, I know a lot of Black women do. Once I started yep. being vocal about it, so many women has have sent me their stories. Yep. Um, and um, and I had a miscarriage in tw- 2019 when I was actually starting in the legislature. So. Um, I didn't think it would be prudent to run a statewide mm-hmm. race and declare being in my first trimester um, because that would have been a whole nother uh, right. to go through. Um, but when I was safely in my second trimester, I revisited the conversation and uh, really talked to a lot of people. It was it, it wasn't that I just woke up one day and I said it's gonna be me. Uh, <laughs> you know, talked to a lot of people, and you know, a lot of people were were behind it. Right, and that's what you need sometimes. Sometimes, a lot of times, uh, people see stuff, see things in us that we don't see in ourselves. Absolutely, and that, Absolutely. that's always a lot of times that story. Someone who's like, "Yep, this is what you need to do," and you're like, "Um, I don't know," and they're like, "Yeah, you're ready." Yes. Or you you need to get ready. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. Yes. Shout out to Ron Leffer who's watching. He said, I love that you are so young. We need some young representation. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. So let's let's finish it out to those who are young and old, who are older or whatever, seasoned, um, who are watching. What would you what would your advice be to someone who wants to be? Um, a future justice. If you had a young girl ask you, like, how do I get to be to do what you're doing? What would you advise? So a couple of things. You have to be so resolved in yourself to know that you are the best person. You have to know that in yourself. Um, other people may may ask you and things like that, but you know, when I ran for state representative for the first time, I was asked to run for that position as well. But at some point, once you decide, yes, I'm going to do this, you have to do it because you know that you are the very best person for the job. Um, Because it takes a lot of work. 
Um, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of dedication. But once you have that resolved, don't let anything stop you. There are so many people that are looking at you right now, waiting to see what you're going to do. And they're making their decisions based upon what you're going to do and how you represent in the future. And I would say we need you. You know, I, I'm the only black person, the only person of color on the Michigan Supreme Court. And part of my charge, um, like Vice President Kamala Harris has once said, I can be the first, but I won't be the last. We need more people in positions of power that have um, unique lived experiences, that have empathy and compassion. So I would say also you miss 100% of shots you don't take. So you have to be willing to, to take the risk. Again, when I ran, I knew that there was a higher likelihood that I would lose than win. And I did not know that Chief Justice McCormick was going to step down. She stepped down in August. I decided to run in late March. Um, but had I not run, had I said that that's too big of a risk, I wouldn't have been in the position to be appointed. Mm -hmm. And I know that. Mm -hmm. uh, but because I did take the take the risk, because I did earn 1.3 million votes, because I came within 2% of second place, um, I think that showed um, a lot of people that I was deserving of the position because of the hard work um, and, and my qualifications. So... Um, you really just have to put in the work. Um, and like you said, sometimes you can be quietly, quietly doing the work and somebody may notice something in you that you may not have noticed in yourself, but you have to be prepared for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. so you can be qualified, but you have to also be prepared. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. He says, Ron says, amen. The makeup of the Supreme Court needs to reflect the people of Michigan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm so, so again, thank you, Justice Harris Bolden for joining me. Let people know where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you, where they can reach out to you possibly. Yeah. So my office is a little bit different because usually justices are not as forward facing with the community as I am, as I have come to learn. So it's not super easy to get in contact with us. But if you go to the Michigan Supreme Court website, um, there are numbers listed that you can call depending upon what your needs are. Um, unfortunately, we're not as accessible as, you know, a, a representative or other elected officials are um, because we have to stay a little bit in a, in a in a box just to make sure, you know, there can't be any ex parte communication with cases. But I will say, if you go to the Michigan Supreme Court website, you can also follow me on social media, uh, Kyra H. Bolden on all social media platforms. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Th and thank you, as always, for everyone watching, especially to Ron. Uh, and again, thank you, Justice Bolden. And give Emerson a kiss for us. And we look forward to seeing her walk in and yes. doing and her thing. Let me see part of her room now. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. So take care and thank you again. And um, thank you for joining us for Women's History Month. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right, we'll see everyone next week. We'll have Jay Griggs from Juicing with Jay as we conclude our Women's History Month. Have a great night.